Welcome to the Retirement Made Easy podcast. I'm your host, Greg Gonzalez. Like I always say, my goal for the podcast is to help you live a better life in retirement by giving you the tools and information you need in a language that you can understand. This episode is episode number 52, and we are a weekly podcast, so that means, that's right, we've been around, we are celebrating our one-year anniversary of the Retirement Made Easy podcast, so I wanted to use this episode to go over a lot of the questions that I've been getting and talk about some of the conversations I've had with listeners lately, some of which have visited my website, which is retirementmadeeasypodcast.com. And at the bottom, there's a contact Greg or ask Greg a question. And listeners have submitted their questions to get my feedback and my advice on whatever they're dealing with. Now, the majority of my listeners have never met me personally. But I invite you to visit my website. If you have questions, you can submit your questions. I'd be happy to provide my feedback to you and offer any advice I can, free of charge. And many of you ask, well, why do you do that? Well, all I can say is I love what I do for a living and I love helping people out. And if I can help people out and not charge them a dime by giving them the advice that's going to change their life or has the potential to change their life for the better, I'm happy to do so. So if you have questions, just like the questions you're going to hear over this entire episode, check out my website, retirementmadeeasypodcast.com. Submit your question. I'll be happy to answer it and provide my best advice. And while you're on the website, I would invite you to also check out not only the episodes, the previous episodes that you can listen to right there, but also our free resources such as my 2021 tax planning guide that is available. My retirement secret sauce is also there as well as my couple's guide to a dream retirement that my life coach and my business coach help design with me. It's free there on the website. I can honestly say that I would be shocked if that couple's guide to a dream retirement did not drastically change your life and your spouse's life for the better as you dream about your own retirement and what you want for the future. So please check that out. My couple's guide to a dream retirement. It's right under the resources section of retirementmadeeasypodcast.com. So let's jump into today's episode where I want to talk about some of the conversations that I've had with listeners recently, as well as the questions that they had that have jumped out at me. I think you're going to find it entertaining and maybe even learn something yourself. What I've come to realize lately is that I love when people ask questions because most people don't have a background in financial planning. They're not a certified financial planner or a retirement expert. And you can read all the books that you want, right? I can read all the books I can find on golf, but I can go out to the golf course and I can't play like Tiger Woods. I might be able to improve my swing and play a little better by reading those books, but I will never be able to play like Tiger Woods. There's always things that I'm going to be missing. So by asking questions, it allows someone with an expertise or a specialty to teach someone else and for the person asking the question to learn from them. 
I mean, imagine you wanted to become a farmer and you wanted to plant corn and soybeans. In this example, remember, I'm in the Midwest, so this is common here. But imagine you wanted to become a farmer and plant corn and soybeans and wheat and all these crops. And let's say you went and bought all your seed, all your corn seed and soybeans and wheat seed from a dealer. And the dealer said, okay, this person looks like they know what they're doing. They own a tractor and they're dressed like a farmer, however a farmer's supposed to look. But let's say they sold you the seed and they said, oh, go for it. Well, think of all the things that you might be missing because you don't have a background in farming. And I'm learning this stuff from some of my clients. There are a lot of things you have to do besides just plant the seed. You have to have a plan for putting in your fertilizer because your crops are going to need fertilizer. You're also going to have to have a plan for weed control. So what chemicals would you use to help with weed control? Again, if you just planted the seed, the weeds might take over your crop and outcompete, and then you would have no crop. Now, all this stuff would be, I guess, simple knowledge to someone who had been farming for 35 years. But to the novice, for someone who's picking it up and doesn't have a background in farming, like myself, I wouldn't know where to start when it came to fertilizing my crops and having some kind of weed control program so my crops could flourish and the weeds would not take over my entire crop field. So if you don't have a background in farming, ask questions. If you don't have a background in financial planning or retirement planning, ask questions. Go to my website, retirementmadeeasypodcast.com, and I'd be happy to answer your questions like that experienced farmer. I don't have quite 35 years, but I have a lot of experience helping people 50 and older plan for their dream retirement and make the best financial decisions, because that's the specialty of my company is helping people 50 and older. So the first question was from someone that had inherited an IRA from his father, and he was told that he needed to keep this inherited IRA at this custodian, and I won't name the custodian because I don't know who he talked to there. But he was told that he needed to keep this IRA, this inherited IRA, at this custodian for 10 years, and then at the end of the 10 years, he could withdraw the money out of it. And that's not how it works with inherited IRAs when you inherit money from someone other than your spouse. The way it works is you can move the account, the inherited IRA, to any custodian that you'd like. So if you don't like Fidelity and you like Charles Schwab, guess what? you can move that inherited IRA from Fidelity to Charles Schwab. You also can control how it's invested. So if your father had his IRA account at Fidelity and it was invested very conservatively, well, guess what? When you inherit that IRA from your father, you can invest it to your liking. It is now your account, your inherited IRA, and not only can you choose to change custodians, but you can also invest it to your liking and you call the shots. So if your dad was a little too conservative with how he invested it, well, guess what? You can invest it maybe a moderate portfolio or more aggressive portfolio if that suits your needs. You don't have to leave it at fidelity in this example if you don't want to. And the other thing is the 10-year rule. This gentleman was given somewhat accurate advice 
for someone whose parent passed away after January 1st, 2020, you have 10 years to take the money out, take distributions out of the account entirely and pay the taxes on the IRA, the beneficiary IRA. So if you have $100,000, maybe you take $10,000 out over 10 years. And at the end of the 10 years, you have paid taxes on all those distributions. You don't have to do that. I was just using that as an example. You could, like this gentleman was incorrectly told, wait until the 10th year and take the distributions out at that point. But by the end of the 10 years, you have to have all the money out of the inherited IRA. As far as tax planning goes, they allow you the flexibility to call the shots on those distributions. So with your financial planner or your tax advisor, you might want to come up with a strategy that will be most tax efficient to your situation. The next question was actually a question that was submitted through the website, retirementmadeeasypodcast.com. It was from Jenny, and Jenny wanted to know if all of her accounts should be invested the same. So she had a trust account, which is non-retirement dollars. She had a Roth IRA, and she had a regular IRA and 401k. So four different accounts. I will say this is a fantastic question from Jenny. So my advice, without knowing a whole lot about Jenny, my advice is to say, generally speaking, your non-retirement account, which in Jenny's case was a trust account, which is perfect, that account needs to be invested possibly more tax efficiently than the other accounts because taxes are an issue on that account. And that account could cause you to pay a lot of capital gains taxes and dividends pay taxes on interest, and that kind of stuff. And short-term capital gains are the biggest concern, really. So what I will say is, Jenny, generally speaking, that non-retirement account, that trust account, you want to make sure that's invested more tax favorably because you get a 1099 at the end of the year from that account. And if you don't take distributions from your IRA or 401k or Roth IRA, you're not going to get a 1099 on those. And another thing is with the 401k, Typically, this is not in all instances, but typically 401ks have very limited investment options. So I would say rarely do I ever recommend investing a Roth IRA or IRA exactly like a 401k just because the investment options inside of the 401k are so limited to begin with. So to help really answer Jenny's question directly is rarely do I find all accounts are invested exactly the same. And really with that non-retirement account, taxes are going to be one of the biggest considerations as far as that account and how it's invested. And another thing to consider is what are your goals for each account? In other words, if you are planning on leaving one of the accounts to your children, then maybe that account is invested, maybe more long-term oriented, more aggressively, knowing that that's going to be your legacy or part of your legacy and what's left to the children. And then you might consider the other accounts more as resources for your own retirement. And what I mean by that is maybe you need those other accounts to produce an income while you're retired that you can live on to supplement your pension and social security, pension if you have one. So the goal for those accounts is maybe a more moderate portfolio that that provides an income 
that you can count on. And you might decide that that income needs to come from interest and dividends and, and things like that. So to recap, Jenny, I hope this helps. I feel like I was a little long-winded, but you need to match your goals with how you invest the money. So is invest is the way you're investing the money helping you reach your overall goals for your accounts, the different accounts you have, and are you doing so, are you investing the money in the most tax-efficient way possible? Those are the questions that determine how we invest each account, but rarely should you invest a non-retirement account, a Roth, and in just a regular 401k, exactly the same for all those points that I mentioned. So Jenny, I hope that helps. I appreciate your question. Thank you for listening. I had another question of someone that wanted to roll their 401k over, and it was a very sizable 401k to their new company. So let's say I'm going to round it off, but it was a million dollar 401k and they were going to roll it to their new company 401k. And they were under the impression that they would get a 6% match. So this new company that they were now working for offered a dollar for dollar 6% match, employer match. So this individual was thinking of rolling the old 401k from the old company to the new company and he was under the impression or someone told him that he would get a 6% match or 60 grand matched from the company. And that is just not true. Your company 401k will not match rollover dollars, but it will match contributions up to 6% of your pay. So assuming you make, let's say, $100,000 and you contribute 6000 so that's 6% of $100,000 that you earn, they will match your $6,000 with their $6,000. But they're not going to match 6% on anything over and above that, especially not a rollover. So if you're one of those people out there that's considering rolling your old company's 401k into your new company's 401k, just realize that match, that's not going to be available for your rollover dollars. So I know that may sound simple to some people or common sense, but believe me, there's a lot of misinformation out there. And I had a person that emailed that question. So hopefully that helps. Next question comes from Bob. And Bob wanted to know about how he could get started with helping his kids set up Roth IRAs. So with Roth IRAs, remember, you need earned income. So for Bob's children, they would need a summer job or something like that. And Bob's children are under 50. So on their first $6,000 that they earn, they can contribute to a Roth IRA. So if this summer they make $6,000, that means they can contribute to their own Roth IRA for, you got it, $6,000. Now, even if you have a 16-year-old child who has, let's say, $2,000 of earned income that they made over the summer, well, guess what? They are eligible to contribute $2,000 to a Roth IRA. I have many clients who really want to get their kids, their adult children, off on the right foot and to show them the value of saving and investing and how much it's going to mean years and years down the road. They say the best time to plant a tree was 20 years ago, but the next best time is today. So if we can help our kids 
get off on the right foot and start investing early, just think of all the years and years, the time they have on their side. And especially inside of a Roth IRA, where the money can grow literally tax-free for all of those years. The big point, though, Bob, is your child, whether they're 16, 18, 21, they need earned income to contribute to that Roth IRA. And believe me, a lot of teenagers, they want to work. They want a little part-time job. My first job was a service clerk at a grocery store where I made, I don't know, four or five bucks an hour getting carts and bagging groceries when I was 15 years old. I can remember another summer that I worked in a restaurant and another summer that I painted. So there's all kinds of jobs and different restaurants that are looking for young workers. So I hope that helps you out, Bob. Next question comes from Bill, and Bill sent in an email on the website, retirementmadeeasypodcast.com. Bill said, I am 60 years old, and there is a neighbor of mine that works for an unnamed company. That's okay, Bill. I don't need to know it. He said, he is proposing that I purchase whole life with a guaranteed 4% interest rate. What are your thoughts? Is it too good to be true? 4% seems a lot higher than I can get at the bank in a CD. What do you think? Well, Bill, you emailed an interesting person. I am not a huge fan of whole life, and certainly I think this whole life was misrepresented to you, and let me tell you why. So there are two things, two offerings that you can use the word guarantee with. Number one is a CD at the bank, and that would have FDIC insurance. It would have a guarantee, and that's why Bill mentioned a CD. The next thing is an annuity. That would be guaranteed by the insurance company that is offering the annuity and their ability to pay you. Whole life is not one of those things that has a guaranteed interest rate. Whole life is life insurance. And the way it works is you're paying in a premium and your cash value does build. However, it's not like the premiums that you pay in are just growing by 4%, right? And not only that, any withdrawals you take out of that cash value are loans on the policy. They don't let you get your money back out. You're taking a loan on your own money inside of it and you're paying interest back to the insurance company. So it's not as clear-cut as someone is making it seem. On top of that, there's surrender penalties, typically in uh, whole life policies, that can take 10, even 15 years to go away. So I would be very, very cautious on that one. 4% on whole life. Let me put it to you this way, Bill. If there was something out there that was paying 4% guaranteed without any strings attached, literally swarms of people would be investing in this type of vehicle. But the reality is, with interest rates this low, nothing like that exists, and it darn sure is not a whole life policy. So please stay away from that. Whole life insurance is life insurance. It's not a way to earn 4% on your money like a CD at the bank. You should not put your safe money what I like to call safe money, in a whole life and policy, thinking that you're going to get a 4% interest rate that's guaranteed and you can take it out at any time. That's just a bad recommendation, Bill. I'm sorry. And that's another thing I want to mention before we go. Just because somebody gives you advice doesn't mean you have to take it. 
And my question would be to the insurance agent that had mentioned that to Bill, if he wasn't earning a commission on the sale of the whole life insurance, would he give that advice still to Bill? The answer would be no. I would argue that strenuously. Okay, I'll get off my soapbox here, but I want to thank you for listening to the best question so far of 2021 and listening to our one-year anniversary special on the Retirement Made Easy podcast. This is episode number 52. We hope to bring you another 52 episodes over the next 12 months. So I appreciate you tuning in to the Retirement Made Easy podcast. And remember, always dream big. The opinions voiced in this material are for general information only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual. To determine which investments may be appropriate for you, please consult your attorney, tax advisor, or financial advisor prior to investing. This is a hypothetical example and is not representative of any specific investment. Your results may vary. All performance referenced is historical and is no guarantee of future results. All indices mentioned are unmanaged and may not be invested into directly. The Smart Vester program is a directory of investment professionals. Neither Dave Ramsey nor Smart Vester are affiliates of St. Louis Retirement Advisors or LPL Financial. There is no guarantee that a diversified portfolio will enhance overall returns or outperform a non-diversified portfolio. Diversification does not protect against market risk. All investing involves risk, including loss of principal. No strategy assures success or protects against loss. Securities and advisory services offered through LPL Financial, a registered investment advisor, Memra FINRA, SIPC. SIPC.